Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to share your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's Word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. All right. Well, good evening. I am not Pastor Tim, but at the same time, I am Pastor Tim. And... (laughs) And Pastor Tim and Alicia, they send their love and their greetings as always. Uh, They're not with us tonight, uh, but I'm here and I'm excited. A little nervous at times when my hands sweat, but uh, y'all are a good audience. So Wednesday night crowd, Pastor Lee said, he's like, he's like, they're the easiest audience to speak to. They soak up everything. They're taking notes. They amen. They they do all the things you want in an audience. So so I'm glad you're here. I want to, first of all, uh, we can welcome our internet audience. Thank y'all for being with us tonight. And I want to first of all thank uh, Pastor Tim and Alicia for the opportunity. Uh, the funny thing is, like, uh, they've known me pretty much my whole life. Uh, so they've seen the good and they've seen the not so good. And, and they trust me with the calling and, and the, the honor to be up here. And it is an honor. So I, I thank you, Pastor Tim and Miss Alicia. And uh, we're going to have a good night. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I know this is my first time uh, being up here on stage. So I want to do a little intro Uh, of me and my family. I'm not bringing them on stage or anything. Uh, But some of us in the crowd, you know me since I was this big, a baby. Uh, I grew up here at at Meadowbrook, born and raised. Uh, I was part of the church when we were in the Hilton conference room. There's actually a picture. If you want to see this, this is me as a baby right there. (laughs) Right? I like that sweater too. I could probably wear that nowadays and bring it back or whatnot. Uh, but that's when me, when me and Pastor Lee were terrorizing our little teachers and stuff, and now our kids are carrying on the legacy and terrorizing their teachers <laughs> running around. Uh, but I, was, uh, I grew up here. I went to the academy from 6th through 12th grade, and uh, I was, I'm glad I went. I know when I was in the school, I was like, man, this place is, I don't like this place. It's too small. There's never any new girls to like. And... Uh, but now that I'm an adult, I look back and I'm like, I'm thankful that I was there. I'm thankful for the relationships, the covering that goes in that. And um, so, yeah, so 6th through 12th grade, I was at the academy. Uh, I graduated from there, and uh, I went through my little prodigal son phase. Anyone ever had a prodigal son phase? Ten of us are honest. The rest of us are still hiding it right now. But, uh, yeah, so I decided that I was going to live my life my way without God and uh, kind of did my own thing for a couple years. And then God kind of woke me up in the form of what's called a DUI. <laughs> yeah, ooh, they, say, they go, ooh, don't judge me, don't judge me. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I'm in jail one night and uh, God says, uh, are you ready to stop living life your way? And I, I humbly submitted and said yes. And uh, yeah. So my mom, my mom uh, let me sit in there for a while. <laughs> I called her. I'm like, Mom, I'm in. I got DUI. And she's like, all right, I'll, I'll be right there. And we live like 15 minutes from the jail. Twelve hours later, she shows up. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, it's like 10 minutes, if that, you know. But it was good. It was a good eye-opening experience for me to, to realize, hey, God has a call on each of our lives. And, and we can only run so long and so far from that until he says, okay, put the brakes on it. And let's try things my way. And so I did that. 
um, got back into the relationships with friends that I needed to, because in that moment, I, I was doing some things, hanging out with some people uh, that I needed to put a pause on. And um, I started serving in, in Fuse, helping out with the, the students there under Pastor Sean's leadership. And uh, it was good. It was, it was really a great time because I was going to CF and working at Longhorn Steakhouse and uh, just, just helping out, just, just being a, a volunteer, just helping with students in any way that I could. And it was in that time of serving uh, that I felt God called me to the ministry. And I felt like, like every time Pastor Sean was up there, I felt like, you know, I resonate or, or my heart resonates with the message that, that he is sharing and that I have a message that, that I feel God has given me for the students of today. And so it was during that time uh, of just serving over a couple years that I, I finished my degree at CF and I went over to Southeastern University in Lakeland. And so I, uh, yeah, we got some <laughs> alumni here. Um, but I got my uh, degree in theology there, and it was there that I met this lovely lady named Maddie Maddox at the time. She would soon become Maddie Nelson. Uh, we fell in love and got married and uh, moved to a town called Bel Air Bluffs. It's just a little town outside of Tampa. It's five minutes, five minutes from the beach. So it was just like, we, and we didn't know anybody. So it was great. It was like, it was, it was the greatest seven-month honeymoon ever. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was good. And so we, we got married, moved there, didn't know anyone. Uh, she was going to s- school still. I was just continuing to work at Longhorn, uh, helping out at the church, just volunteering and stuff. And it was good. And then we got a call from Pastor Tim, and he said, uh, hey, uh, we've got this opening for middle school, and we'd like you to come be a part, and I uh, want you to pray about it, think about it. And it was funny because not like two weeks prior, my wife and I were talking, and I was like, you know what? I'm the only person of my friends that got out of Ocala. And if you, if you ever grow up in a small town or whatnot, like, you don't know what your dreams are, but you know where they're not. They're not in your hometown, right? You're like, I don't care where I go. Just get me out of here, right? And it's just, it's just an immaturity thing. Like, we, we think that the place that we're at is, is horrible. Um, so we had this funny conversation. And then a couple weeks later, Pastor Tim asks if I want to come join the team. And we're like, you know what? We've heard from the Lord and we say no. Um, and we're like, like we, we were honest. We we're like, you know, we just, we felt good where we're at. And he's like, well, I'm not taking no for an answer yet. <laughs> and so he's like, think about it, pray about it. And, uh, and it wasn't until a couple of days later that Maddie's like, hey, I think we really need to not just say that we're going to pray about it, but think about it and pray about it. And so that's, that just shows if you, men, if you have a discerning wife or a wife who has some wisdom, you should follow it, all right? All the women said? Amen. Amen. There we go. Now I got them all on my side. Men's like, I'm the man of this household. Yes, you are, but they just, they have a connection with the Holy Spirit that I've never seen in my life before. But um, so we really did. We, we took time. We prayed about it. We thought about it. We prayed about it. We thought about it. We prayed about it. We thought about it. And we felt God call us to Ocala. We felt that he was saying, hey, you know, this season in your life, I, I want you here. I feel like there's work that needs to be done. And uh, so we came to Ocala. We've been here for about five, just over five years now, um, helping with middle school and high school. And I will put, put a shameless plug in there. If you feel like you can connect with students on any level, we always need leaders. Not volunteers, not people who come in once a month and Help the students. Like, we need leaders who believe in this next generation. So if you, feel, if you feel a little tug right here, it's on the left side right here, that's the Holy Spirit. So meet us at the 405. Just come talk to me, and we'll, we'll get you involved. 
But, uh, but over the five years, you know, it's, it's been good. It's been a good five years. We've seen amazing things happen uh, in the student ministry. Uh, in that time, my wife's been in school, and we've had uh, two girls, Paisley and Phoenix. Paisley's four years old, and Phoenix just turned two. Yeah, that's them right there. They are, Phoenix is great at, at not smiling during pictures, as you can tell, and Paisley just eats it up. She's like, Daddy, take a picture of me, take a picture of me. And then she's like, let me see, let me see. And I'm like, slow down, slow down. She's like, are you posting it on your Snapchat? And I'm like, I'm like, child, you are four. I'm like, settle down. She's taken our phones before, no lie, taking photos and posted them on our Instagram and our Facebook. And it's not till later on that you start getting notifications that or people are like, what is this photo? Because like, she'll just take a photo of the ground and post it, put a caption and everything. I'm like, all right, time to change the passcode on our phones. This is just getting out of hand. Um, but we've had, we have two amazing daughters and uh, my wife just finished school at Aveda Institute in Orlando. Y'all can clap for her. So she is a licensed esthetician esthetician and massage therapist. Um, And so that's kind of our our life. Like I said before, I grew up here. uh, Anytime the doors were open, my mom had me in church. So Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every other night of the week when they had groups and classes and oasis and singles and everything. So I was, I kind of pretty much lived here. Um, So if you've seen me around that, that, that may be why, but uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that tonight that I feel that God has given me a word for us. And I don't say for you, uh, but I say for us because myself included. I feel like he's been speaking to me about things in my own life and, and I felt like it can correlate and connect with everyone in this room. So um, we're just going to get after it. Sound good? All right, good deal. Uh, if you would, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You can use your, your phone or your Bible or whatever. I'm going to drink some. Dasani water. I don't know if it's like copyright that we should like blank out Dasani. Oh, well, free advertisement, right? They could sue us later. Who cares? All right. So normal day in the Nelson household, uh, or at least for me, I wake up to the alarm off my phone and uh, or sometimes to my kids jumping on me like it's Christmas, like, wake up, daddy, wake up, daddy. I'm like, it's 5 a.m. Go back to bed. Uh, But I wake up to the alarm on my phone. Uh, I get up. Go to the restroom, turn on the light, put some contacts in because I have trouble seeing. Uh, Then I make my way to the kitchen, turn on the light again, turn on this machine that is a gift from heaven itself called a coffee maker, right? Turn on the coffee pot, get my K-cup, get it loaded or whatever, and go into the fridge and get God's second gift when it comes to coffee is Almond Joy Creamer. If you've never tried it, it's amazing. I know it's catching on because it used to be a holiday favorite and now it's an everyday thing. So I know there's other people like myself, other addicts to this thing we call coffee creamer. Um, but I get my coffee creamer. If I'm feeling hungry, I'm going to go in the freezer and get some waffles, throw them in the toaster oven, get my nutritious breakfast for the day. Uh, go take a hot shower because hot water is also from heaven. All these things are from heaven. And that's how I start my day. And your day is probably started with, with a similar routine of some sorts. You know, we're creatures of habit. And so this happens. But there's those days when you wake up and you realize that you don't have power. And I'm not talking like power energy. I'm not talking like you don't have the Holy Spirit or Jesus, the power. I'm talking literally there is no power in the house. Because there was this storm the night before, knocks out the power, which essentially knocks out the power to my cell phone, which means I have no alarm clock, which means I'm waking up late, 
and I'm already in a frantic, right? Have you ever been there when you wake up and you know you're supposed to be somewhere and you're like, oh snap, I'm late. And then like everything starts to get crazy. Since there's no power, you have no coffee maker. You have no coffee maker. It doesn't matter because you have no cream because it's spoiled in the fridge that was plugged in. Those soggy waffles that were frozen at one point, doesn't matter because the toaster oven isn't even going to power them. And the worst part of all, you know what it is? A cold shower. If I was a spy and I had like valuable information and secrets, you wouldn't have to torture me. You wouldn't have to threaten me with all these crazy things. Just put me in a cold shower. I'll tell you anything you know, right? I'm like, the president's hiding in the basement. Just, just take him, not me. Give me a warm shower. Um, but we've all been through those things where, where, this, where our, our schedule is kind of interrupted by something like that. And it's not until that power is turned on by an act of God that, that it happens and we start to celebrate on the inside. All of a sudden, man, we are opening up that old closet, grabbing the uh, banners, the tambourines. We're speaking in tongues. We're on the front lawn waving the banner saying, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, right? Jehovah Rapha, all the Jehovah names in the Old Testament. We're saying them all because God has given us the gift of electricity and we are excited. Can I get an amen? Amen. And over those next couple of days, you find yourself in the car like, God, thank you for coffee. Thank you for electricity. Thank you for hot water. Thank you for thanking me for, just thank you for everything, right? But sure enough, hours become days, days become weeks, weeks become months, and we slowly slip into that same pattern of expecting power to be on because we pay our bill and expecting all these things in life to just flow. And that instance where we kind of just get comfortable, where we turn on autopilot, so to speak, happens in other areas of our life. It can happen with your health, where you feel that you're always going to be healthy. I'm at the age of 30 now. I know, crazy, right? Um, but for the longest time, and even now, I feel like there's times where I feel invincible, like, oh, I'm, I'm 30, I'm young, I don't need to work out as much, I don't need to worry about what I'm eating, and my mom tells me otherwise the, all the time, you need to eat better, eat better, eat better, and I'm like, oh, okay, mom, okay, mom. But we're all like that. We, in our health, we think that everything's okay, we're going to be healthy, um, we don't need to worry about what we're eating, we don't need to worry about exercise as much, and then something happens. We either get an injury or we have a bad report from the doctor, and we're all of a sudden, like the electricity analogy, we're woken up, and we realize, oh, snap, I need to do some things differently. Maybe it comes to a scenario with your marriage. Maybe when when you were dating and you were engaged, uh, everything was good, right? You, You idolized that person. You know, you couldn't stop thinking about them. You were calling and texting. Uh, True story, when my wife and I were dating in, in college, um, there was times, you know, at Southeastern, you had like a curfew of like 10 p.m. I'm like, come on, 10 p.m.? Oh, y'all, y'all like 10 p.m. curfew, okay? <laughs> well, when you're in college, you don't, right? Can I get an amen from the college crowd over there? Amen from Megan Wiles. But you don't like college curfew because it's like 10 p.m., so she has to go to her dorm. I went to mine, and we would just text or call. Um, but there was time when, when I, we were calling so much or whatever, and, you know, you're, you're in that infatuation stage. So, uh, there was a point where I was talking so much on the phone, like there would be a point, you know, you're getting in bed, you're falling asleep, that I would actually fall asleep while on the phone with her. And, uh, and it's a good thing we had the same uh, phone plan because otherwise our minutes would have been like, our bill would have been crazy, but we were both on T-Mobile or whatnot. So here's a picture, no lie, of me on a trip with students uh, and I, I fall asleep on my phone. Yeah, there's me. 
And one of the students, one of the students takes a picture and posts it on Facebook like, Tim Nelson falling asleep on his phone, talking to Maddie or whatever. Look at that. That's the iPhone 8, I think. That's the new one before it even, before it even came out. But like, but in that stage, like, you know, everything is great and you're, you're buying flowers and you're doing all the things uh, that you should do. And then if you're lucky enough, you get married and slowly but surely, if you're not intentional, you start to fall in that autopilot where you see your, your partner or your spouse as just a helper. And then when you bring kids in, then you really take your attention off your spouse and you put it on your kids because you're like, hey, we got to we got to unite and conquer, right? Because these kids are driving me nuts and you take this one and I'll take this one. And, and slowly your attention falls off of each other and focuses on everything else. The same scenario plays out with maybe your automobile. You know, we take, we take for granted the fact that we have a transportation of our own to get us from point A to point B. You know, we've, we've taken the mentality that it's our God-given right to have a car. You know, it's, it's freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion, and freedom to drive an automobile, right, as, as Americans. But it's not until that demon that we read about in Revelation chapter 3 shows up in your car. Have you ever read Revelation 3? Yeah, see? That orange light demon that shows up on your dash and it looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> the check engine demon. It's all one word. When that thing comes up, you go to your mechanic and like, yep, it's going to be $3,000. And you're like, you're like, for what? And you find out that there was this thing called regularly scheduled maintenance that you failed to pay attention to, right? And it's the same thing that this cycle plays out in so many areas of our life. We, we just, we get used to something. We, we hit the autopilot switch and we just cruise. And we don't put as much investment or intention or, or intention, for lack of a better word, on the thing that we need to. This can play out in our relationship with God. And I know as the Wednesday crowd, um, you're here, right? You're, you're the people that give. You say amen. Or you're excited about your faith. You've got your kids in the student ministry, in the kids ministry. Um, but sometimes if we're not careful, we could do the same autopilot thing with our relationship with God. We feel that just because we're tithers and we're givers and we've got the spirit living on the inside of us, that we are doing everything with our relationship with God that we should. And the truth is, is that we, we don't always do like we should. And in all these instances, I could say that, that I've been guilty of every single one of them. Every single one. And odds are you can too. So the tension that I'm hoping to build and the question that I'm hoping to answer for tonight is how do we avoid this? How do we draw attention to the things that maybe we don't even see that we're turning autopilot on and not giving the proper respect to? So tonight, um, let's do this. Let's just pray one more time. Is that okay if we pray? Uh, I'm just going to pray, and then we will we'll get into the solutions here. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, for your spirit. Father, I thank you for your word, for your wisdom, for your leading. And I pray that as we get into your word, Lord, that you would illuminate it to us in a new way. Maybe passages that we've read over and over again, Lord, that they would just be, just, just shine a new light on them for us. I pray for every heart in here that it's open. Lord, that we're glorifying you in everything that we do. And we thank you for this time together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So how do we get off the autopilot? How do we turn it off? I was talking to my father-in-law 
uh, last week, and he's actually a, a pilot for, for over 20 years now. And I said, hey, tell me about autopilot. Like, what are some of the dangers of it? And he's like, well, the, the danger of autopilot is autopilot. You know, you, you flip it on and you think, hey, everything's good. And then you forget. <laughs> and you forget that, that you still need to fly the plane like you're the only human in the cockpit. The machine can't do it for you. You know, if, if turbulence comes, you've got to turn off the autopilot and, and fly the plane. And he said when it comes to young pilots, he says they rely too heavily on it. And so they grow up as pilots or learn as pilots, you know, oh, I, once I get it in the sky, I turn on autopilot and I just go get myself a beverage and see what's on the TV. He's like, but it doesn't work like that. They need to learn, you know, what if there's a, a mechanical failure and, and they have no autopilot and they have to go through turbulence or, you know, just horrible conditions. He's like, they have to learn as young pilots to not even have an autopilot. And I think for us, uh, there's times in our life that, that we don't even realize that there's an autopilot that we're living in. So my first point is this. When it comes to turning off autopilot, it is one, to, to be aware. Be aware to the fact that you may be living in auto. Oh, I said be open. I hate it when the preacher doesn't match up with what he's saying. <laughs> be open. I'm trying to not look at my notes, but anyways. Be open to the fact that you may be on autopilot. And, and as Wednesday crowd, this is our problem where we're thinking, oh, man, I'm here. Uh, I'm singing. And that worship was impactful. The spirit is living on inside of me. He would tell me if, if I was living in autopilot in a scenario in my life. But the question is, have you asked him? You know what I mean? Because he may have the answers, but, man, God is a gentleman. And he waits, and he'll patiently wait. And you may think, like, he's waiting way too long. But, but they say, or it says in the Bible that, that a year is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a year. Like, God, he is just patient. And he will just sit here like a gentleman and wait. And the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to ask him to, to say, Hey, God, is there anything in my life that I'm, that I'm living in autopilot on? And Pastor Lee, I was watching his message from last week. And he gave the, the joke and the analogy about the, the husband and the wife and the husband cleans the glass and she can now see clearly that that dirty laundry isn't really that dirty. And, and I think that that's good for us of realizing, hey, you know, wipe off the glass. Ask the Holy Spirit um, to, to make some things relevant to us. Be open to the fact that you may be on autopilot. Second point is this, evaluate yourself evaluate yourself. Notice it doesn't say evaluate others. It doesn't say evaluate your husband. It doesn't say, can I get an amen from the husbands? I'm trying to get y'all back on my side from earlier. It doesn't say evaluate your kids, which I know we should at, at some levels. But in this point, when it comes to the idea of autopilot, evaluate yourself. I asked you to turn earlier to uh, Matthew chapter 7. I want to look in verse 3 and it says this. This is, we're looking at the New Living Translation. He says, this is Jesus. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? That hurts. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Oh, that's a strong word. Jesus said it though. So hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So evaluate yourself. Stop, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, will you reveal some things to me? God, I, I, I lay my life before you, and I don't want you to leave any stone unturned. I mean, how 
horrible would it be to get to the end of your life and realize, man, I had all these things that I never worked out because I never asked for help. I never asked the Holy Spirit to reveal some things in me. And he's, like I said, he's a gentleman. He's waiting for you to ask. And I believe he's faithful to show you those things. Uh, If you don't know, this right here can save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. It's not like a special mirror for your makeup and it's going to avoid, you know, help you get rid of the wrinkles and the lines and all that. This is what we would call a blind spot mirror. You ever been driving or whatever on the interstate and and you go to get over and it's not to that last second that you see that car and you're, or you're driving behind someone that does it and you're like, all right, I'm getting past this guy. And you just (laughs) speed around them, right? Because they weren't using a blind spot mirror. There was a spot in their car area where, where another car was traveling and they almost wrecked because they didn't look twice to save a life. Well, the Holy Spirit can be this blind spot mirror for you. This Holy Spirit can show you things at certain angles that that you're not aware of, and he's only asking for an invitation. He's asking you, hey, be open to the fact that you have some things in your life that I want to work out. And then he's saying, hey, I'm I'm going to gently and softly show you those things. So be open and evaluate yourself. And the third thing is this. I want you to ask others. Everyone say, ask others. Ask others. Actually, you know what? Before I go to this, Normally when I make a mistake, I just go with it. But I I don't want to pass this up. Um, Self-evaluation is not a one-time thing. Self-evaluation isn't like, okay, Wednesday night, you know, March 2nd, I did that evaluation thing. Tim talked about the mirror. So I'm good. Right? It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. It could be daily. It could be weekly or whatever. Look at this in Matthew chapter 7. We're still in Matthew 7. He says in verse 7, he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. This is Jesus, not like just some guy. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, God is, I feel that that verse can be applied to uh, when it comes to our prayers. You You know when you're really believing for something, do you just say a prayer once at the dinner table, and then you go on? with your day and go on with your life and think that, no, God, God hopefully helps them. Like when you, when you think about a family member who's like deathly ill, do you just pray for them once and then that's it? No, you are constantly in prayer. You'll tie something around your finger, around your wrist. You'll get a tattoo. You'll find a way to remind yourself to keep on asking. I'm not, never mind. <laughs> All the chuckles for tattoos. We'll, we'll go there later. But no, you, you constantly Uh, remind yourself to pray. And I think it's the same when it comes to self-evaluation. Like we need to constantly be asking the Holy Spirit, God, am I missing anything right here? Because you can live your life in a relationship and think that just because you're putting food on the table and your kids aren't addicted to drugs and you bring your wife flowers on uh, her birthday and Mother's Day, that that you're doing good. And you may be. But God, (laughs) she's like, huh? But, But God... God is maybe asking you to do more. The Holy Spirit is maybe saying, hey, I know that that's the idea of a good father to you, but let me show you what a real good father is like, right? It's not just about the things that that you don't do, but maybe it's about the things that you do. Maybe it's how you invest into your family. Maybe it's how you invest into your children and knowing that those, that's your legacy. Like that's gonna be here when you're gone. Yeah, the money may be, what, what, houses or whatnot, but, but the people that matter, your family, are going to be here when you're gone. 
and investing in them in a way that's special to them. That was for someone. That wasn't part of my notes, but that, that had to be for someone. So evaluate yourself. And the, and the f- third and final thing is this, is ask others. Not ask Oprah. Come on, not ask uh, uh, Facebook comments or don't ask Facebook where you just post like, hey, how should I fix my life? And you ask the whole world. And you know, it's all, always the weirdos that come in and answer those questions. It's like, you don't even need to ask. When I say ask others, I should have put an asterisk at there where, where just by others. So you didn't just think you can ask anyone. But ask people in your life, A, that are closest to you, God-fearing, and that are gentle in their responses. Not people that are just abrasive where you're going to ask them, hey, where am I missing it in my life? I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Cancel your appointments. Uh, This is going to be a while. But no, ask people in your life that that really care for you, that that have a heart for God, that, that can give you an answer in a gentle way. And be open. Don't ask them. And then when they start answering, be like, oh, no, not that. Blah, blah, blah. No, just stop and be quiet. Just, just listen. Just ask and listen. I've got a couple people in my life that do that for me. Uh, maybe for that person in your life, maybe it's the, the person you're sitting next to, your spouse. Because they've seen the good and they've seen the not so good, right? They've seen it all. And so they, they know how you are when you walk in these doors, and they know how you are when you're in the car ride home. <laughs> don't be elbowing. Don't be elbowing. Come on. Just let us sink in. But they know you, and they know some of your blind spots, and, and they're, they're not going to be the ones to tell you until you ask. They're going to wait. They're going to be gentle, and they probably just don't want to start a fight, right? They, they don't want to deal with, with your mess if you'd be like, hey, hon, I've noticed how you respond in this scenario. And you're like, what do you mean how I respond? And, and they're like, see what I mean? <laughs> they're like, help me, God, please help me. But find some people in your life. Like I said, I've got a couple people in my life. My, my wife, I've got uh, one of my coaches at, at CrossFit. His name's Tim Staub. He, he was up here, I think, a couple Wednesdays ago. And uh, he's, he's one of those guys where he, he'll challenge you He'll rebuke you in a loving way, and he'll also encourage you. And when it comes to those others people, those are the type of people, not just people that just, hey, everything's great, God bless, amen. Like, those people are good, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to asking others about blind spots and and things that you're putting on autopilot, you need to ask some people that that are brave enough that that aren't impressed with you. (laughs) They're not impressed with you, right? Because if you ask with someone who's impressed with you, they'll be like, oh, brother, I think you're just great. I think... I think God's hands all over you and there's nothing wrong you ever do. You probably don't even have a wrong thought in your mind, do you? And you're just like, "Mm, yeah, I do. I do. But find some people that aren't impressed with you, that desire to see you grow in in your relationship with God, that, that can be honest with you in a loving and gentle way. And I feel like it's these three steps that, that we don't just do once and call it a day but we find ourselves having a pattern of evaluating our lives. And I think that God in in his wisdom and through his Holy Spirit and when he has others that that he's ordained to help you out, I think that can help us turn off autopilot. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.